next on NHL Fantasy on Ice. Matt Murray is sidelined with an injury. How worried should his fantasy owners be? With the avalanche in a slide, is it time to sell high on Nathan McKinnon? Plus, DFS strategy, analysis, and picks for the 14-game Thursday slate. It's NHL Fantasy on Ice. What's up, everybody? Pete and Rob here with you on this Wednesday afternoon talking fantasy pucks. And so much to get to. We got a loaded 14-game slate on Thursday night, Rob. Loaded slate, people. Before we break it down, saw the Instagram stories, saw the Facebook post. Looks like you had a nice little birthday sushi celebration. How was it? It was really great. I mean, I was out with my wife, 30th birthday. It only goes up from here, I guess <laughs> you could say. Uh, hopefully not down, but uh, yeah, really fun night. I got a little spicy tuna. That's my thing. Got a little... Uh, city atmosphere uh, for the big occasion and worked in a little mango roll with some avocado, some shrimp, some scallops. It was really good stuff right up my alley. Sushi in Times Square, you cannot beat it. And for everybody that's tuned in for our fantasy chatter, we just got breaking news that Matt Murray, goalie for the Pittsburgh Penguins, is being evaluated for an upper body that's not related to a concussion. But honestly, Pete, with Matt Murray, every time he's being evaluated for an injury, you have to worry about this. And unfortunately for one of the best young goalies in the league, this is becoming a, re a recurring trend uh, for Matt Murray. Immediate reaction, Casey DeSmith is the guy to pick up. They'll probably recall Tristan Jari, who has been decent in years past when called upon. But Casey DeSmith, 13-9-4. The record doesn't stand out, but the 9-18 save percentage sure does. That's not bad. I do remember last season, around this time, we were going through the same thing because Matt Murray was out. And Casey DeSmith and Matt jo and uh, Tristan Jari, excuse me, they went head-to-head -to, -head to compete for starts. And at one point, it looked like Jari was going to emerge as their number one option with Murray out. As to Smith ended up getting that spot. But I'd be curious to see if that's not the case here. And if you're like me in a super, super deep league and Jari's out there, I'd be tempted to put a waiver wire claim in for him if you have an IR spot available. And we just came off doing the top 25 goalie rankings for this week where Matt Murray is safely positioned at number six overall. But we threw Casey DeSmith right into the just missed section. He's a guy, even if you're in a standard league as a third or fourth goalie, if he's out there, he plays for a top tier team and you got to pick this guy up. It's a shame, though, for Matt Murray. I mean, he was playing really, really well, 11-4 and four since his previous injury absence. He was playing great, and he kept moving up, up, and up in the ranks. Right up until the last couple games, he slowed down, but nonetheless, it looked like his rest of season value was going to be top 10, sky high in the fantasy landscape. Overall, I'm not too concerned about it. I think the Penguins are such a great offensive team. Now that Justin Schultz is back, they get better defensively, too. I think they'll be just fine, but for fantasy owners... If you don't have that tandem handcuffed, you better do it right now. For right now, though, Evgeny Malkin still day-to-day -day, and Justin Schultz coming back soon but still has not yet suited up for the Penguins. But that'll be a big boost, like you said, uh, for the value of whichever goaltender is starting in the crease for Pittsburgh. And a trade to announce, too. Brian Boyle traded to the Nashville Predators for a second-round pick. I don't think this one jumps off the paper as a fantasy hockey-relevant trade. But the thing I look at, and I was looking at today, the power play for the Nashville Predators right now is second to last in the league, only to that of the Montreal Canadiens, which is surprising. But Brian Boyle can play on the power play. Do you think that's where he slots in? 
they have the worst power play in the NHL this season. So he can certainly help either their first or second unit. We were even talking about from an outside glance. I mean, look at the season P.K. Subban is having. It's pretty underwhelming. Uh, Ellis has been better. Yossi has been better. And Ekholm has been better. So maybe this helps the power play outlook overall for Nashville. But certainly, I look at this as having a big impact for Nashville, who in previous postseasons has had injuries to Kyle Turris. That one year when they went to the finals, Ryan Johansson got injured. And you've seen guys like Sissons, uh play in the top six, Benino play in the top six. It never hurts to have a guy with the winning pedigree uh, for fantasy or reality, especially reality in a guy like Boyle who's been there with the Rangers, with the Lightning, with the Devils last year. This guy is built for the playoffs and is a great story going to Nashville. If you're in a really deep league, I wouldn't hesitate to pick him up. If you're playing DFS and you're looking at the National Predators, same type of thing. Look at his name on the FanDuel pricing. If it's low, he's going to get that power play exposure. Great. Get him in your lineup. But if he's not expected to power play, I wouldn't go near it. And Turris, remember, is still injured. So they're already dealing with an injury situation. He's probably going to be their second-line center, third-line center in the short term. And who knows down the road. If your league counts face-off wins, uh, he has a little bit more added value. And, of course, if he's playing on the second line with, like, a Fiala, a Craig Smith, you never know. He just might be relevant for the rest of the season. Crazier things have happened in fantasy hockey. But how about a nice little Thursday game? We have a 14-game slate. Only teams not playing the Rangers, Bruins, and the Maple. Beliefs. Now, the first game on this list, Hurricanes at Sabres, an intriguing matchup between two teams trying to fight it out, tooth and claw their way into a playoff spot. Who do you like in this game? It's really, these are two inconsistent teams, wildly inconsistent. How about Carolina Hurricanes shutting out the Pittsburgh Penguins on the road? Curtis McElhenney, that's a big takeaway. After just that one start coming back from injury, we have him slotted into the top 25 goalie rankings for the rest of the season. We have faith in this guy. He's been better than Darling. He's been better than Morazic when healthy. So he has an opportunity here to run away with this job and get Carolina into playoff position where they're within striking distance right now. And the goalie on the other side, Linus Olmark, one five to four in a shootout against the Wild on Tuesday. I think that's his net moving forward now because of how poorly Carter Hutton's played. So if Linus Olmark is available in your league, be all over that. And in DFS, I don't think you can miss on either one of these teams. I think this could be a three to four type of game. Both teams are finding that depth scoring right now. We talked about the Sabres line shuffling on the last podcast, Pete. It worked well for them. They were able to spread out the wealth. Casey Middlestat had an assist. Sam Reinhart scored the game-winning shootout goal. I mean, it looked like they were firing on pretty much all cylinders, but their star player, Jack Eichel, had nine shots on goal and two assists. So if you're looking to spend up in this contest for a center, Jack Eichel's your guy. I would try to get either Eichel or Skinner into my lineup. Skinner, of course, facing his former team. Uh, I saw a great stat on him. He's right up there with Matthews. I think he's number three in even strength goals in the NHL over the past three or four seasons behind only Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. So Skinner, uh, and he had a goal on four shots against his former team in the first matchup this year. So I really would bank on Skinner to have a good game here. And again, he's playing with middle stat. I, I think the Sabres, if they stacked their line in this game, the last game against Minnesota, they probably would have lost that game. The scoring depth really paid dividends for them. They rode the roller coaster and they came away with a big much needed win much needed win and then the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing the Florida Panthers on the road 
I think this could be a James Reimer game for the Panthers. He's 2-1-0 with a 944 in the last three games. Much better than Luongo's recent peripherals. But again, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I know that they're a little banged up right now. Matt Murray's out. I just don't trust this Florida team. This game is interesting from the narrative standpoint, I think, when you look at Bukestad and Brassard. They were just traded for each other last week. They're suiting up already within the first week against their former teams. So check the FanDuel prices, check the positions. I would try to get one of these two guys. I think maybe both of them will get a point in this game. I would bank on that. And yeah, for James Reimer, I mean, we had him and Luongo right next to each other in the just missed section of the top 25 goalie rankings today. And James Reimer very quietly, 5-2-2, two and two, 923 save percentage over his past 10 games. You can't <laughs> ignore stats like that for a team like Florida who has a lot of room for improvement. No, you can't. I picked up James Reimer, but and you know, then I looked at the waiver wire today. I saw John Druen was available. I ended up dropping James Reimer. So you can hear from me first. He's valuable for sure, but I wouldn't go crazy over it. If there's a better player, maybe a better forward, maybe a better D out there, I'd be all over that instead. Now, one thing I noticed when I was checking the line combinations from the last game for Florida. So Mike Hoffman played a little bit on the third line, a little bit on the first line, a little bit on the second line. So is this a guy who has been performing at a very high level, you know, especially on the power play. Is this a guy you would sell high on just because of this wildly all over the place lineup placement? Or do you like Mike Hoffman regardless of where he's playing in the lineup? I like shooters and Mike Hoffman's a shooter. I'd be steadfast on keeping a guy like that in my fantasy lineup. You get those categories. And I think that Pete, honestly, that trend, it speaks more to the Panthers influx this season of just total randomness in the lineup, not getting any chemistry, not getting any consistency, Dadnov's hot and cold guys like that. They're moving up and down in the lineup. So I think it's more of a Florida Panthers thing in general. You can feel safe about Mike Hoffman, though, that he's going to shoot the puck. Certainly Hoffman is in that category, right, with Barkov and Trotrek. You can bank on those guys for the rest of the season. On the flip side, a Huberdo, a Vetrano, Dadnov, guys like that are all over the place in terms of their week-to-week fantasy value. So ride them while they're hot. Cut them when they're not. What about a guy like Corey Schneider could come back on Thursday and face the Islanders? Corey Schneider, we mentioned on the last podcast, he hasn't won a game in well over a year. Big time concern there. But for the Devils, I mean, they lost 5-1 to one against the LA Kings on Tuesday. They really have nothing else to play for. I mean, you got to think Corey Schneider gets a shot at this game. He might get a shot, but give me the Islanders on the road. They lost back-to-back road games. That has not happened very often this season for New York, who has a great goalie tandem, decent depth scoring. I mean, I really like from a DFS standpoint in this game, how about Anders Lee? No points in his past six games with 17 shots on goal in the span, almost three per game. He's got 10 goals in 22 career games against the New Jersey Devils. I'm looking for a bounce back effort for Anders Lee, who should be moderately priced if things go go according to plan in the FanDuel price scheme. I'm curious to see who the Islanders are going to start net for this one because Thomas Grice is 4-4-0 with two shutouts against the Devils with a 9.29 save percentage. I mean, that's unbelievable. He even has four losses with those peripherals. If they turn to Grice, I'd be all over that too. And it was an ugly game for the Devils against Ilya Kovalchuk and the Kings on Tuesday night. Kovalchuk scored the final goal. 
Uh, he's been heating up really nicely for the LA Kings, who are at the Flyers on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, for the Devils, specifically against the Islanders, Islanders are 3-0 and against them this season. Final meeting of the season. I think season sweep is in line in this Clean game. it up and move on. I mean, the Devils really are just so struggling at this point. But let's go back to that Kings chatter. A player I've been looking a lot at, Pete, Tyler Toffoli. He's got three multi-point games in the past four. Is it time to add this guy in season long? I would take a shot on him. He's a guy that the past few years has shot an extremely low percentage, abnormally low. It's been going on for two or three years now. He's playing back in the top six. I know Jeff Carter is injured, but Tyler Toffoli, at least recently, has shown a nice pulse here. And the Kings, all of a sudden, remember a couple episodes ago, I think I said it, give the Kings two full months with a Dowdy, Kopitar, and Quick all healthy, and they just might creep into this terrible wild card picture in the Western Conference. And sure enough, they're six points out of a playoff spot in the beginning of February. A lot more time to creep back into the conversation. With a terrible goal differential, I mean, the fact that the West is that close and there are this many teams still in the hunt, mind-boggling stuff. For the Flyers in this game, though, they're starting Anthony Stolarz, which uh, that came out of left field for me. Why wouldn't you go with Carter Hart? I saw that today. That's kind of strange. I mean, we were talking about the Flyers with the eight-game winning streak. They got the Kings, then they got the Ducks, then they got the Penguins. So maybe they're going to alternate those two here. But yeah, Stolarz um, puts their streak at risk for this game, <laughs> and the Kings are playing really well, I think. So uh, yeah, again, Ilya Kovalchuk was only $5,000. On Tuesday against his former team, I saw him at the Garden on Monday, had two assists, had another goal in the last game, has nine points in his past 11 games, and all of a sudden this guy is a middle-tier value pick every single night because he's been producing with consistency uh, for a bad team, but maybe he's a garbage-time guy. This is a team you can't get caught sleeping against, and it honestly, by the fact that the Flyers already confirmed they're starting Stolars, it makes me wonder if they're sleeping for this matchup. I'd look at the Kings with some against-the-grain road value, they're probably going to be underdogs in the game probably going to be low ownership in DFS you really have nothing to lose by making a low dollar lineup with some LA Kings in your lineup get a sneaky win on the road to keep that thing going I like that idea I would probably lean more towards the Flyers keeping this going just because they have immensely more scoring depth and Stolarz did look good in his previous game so maybe we disagree there but clearly the Kings have some nice appeal uh, not facing Carter Hart they're dodging a bullet there and truthfully I just don't trust the Flyers I mean I said it on the program the other day too it's it's that their ability to win 10 and lose 10 that's not good hockey at the end of the day that's a complete wash right so there's just something I don't trust something in the water there that's just off and has been for many years with the Philadelphia Flyers so now Avalanche another team that's completely off they're going to be visiting the Capitals and in terms of their goalie situation we've been harping on it but who in the world do they start in this game against the Capitals do they put Philip Grubauer anywhere near his former team I would stay way clear away from the avalanche in this game. I mean, Joe Sackick better be working the phones right now or looking to call somebody up from the AHL because both of these goalies are a complete liability. Any given night, they're getting shelled. Five or six goals are going in. The one thing that really scares me about this game, the Capitals' power play. It hasn't been playing well. All it takes is that one game for it to click. This is a great opportunity against a struggling avalanche team. Boy, if those goaltenders can't save it, anything at even strength, they are going to struggle mightily against that power play. So for the Capitals, you have Braden Holpe playing really well right now for the past three games. Evgeny Kuznetsov's playing well. TJ Oshie has bounced back over the past couple of weeks. 
And Jacob Vrana, two points again against Vancouver. Vancouver was on the second of a back-to-back, but that guy has been knocking on the door, and we're just waiting for that consistency. We've been waiting all season. Does it happen here in the last couple of months? It does, and I think we're finally seeing it because I know that the goalie scored against Vancouver was a little fluky. He kind of flew, he flipped it over from behind the net, but he had so many opportunities earlier in that game. He hit a post earlier in that game. It's like the hockey gods paid him back late in the game, got him that goal. For everyone that had him in FanDuel, they reaped the rewards for his $4,300 price point. And look, you, you might want to keep cherry picking that against the Colorado Avalanche. Jacob Rana, I mean, is a no-brainer value pick. And Kuznetsov, we mentioned him. I mean, his career track record against the Avalanche is very strong. And when you look at the fact that the Capitals have Backstrom and Kuznetsov going up against a one-line team or maybe one that's breaking up its top line on a shift-to-shift basis. That's a clear advantage for the Capitals. Clear advantage, and I think that there's something off about that Avs team too. Sort of what I said about the Flyers. I mean, I'm not sure if you can count on Nate McKinnon as a standalone player anymore. I know early in the season in FanDuel, one of the best strategies, and it was well-known, but it was a good strategy at work, was stacking McKinnon with Rantanen or taking Landis Cog as a standalone player with exposure to those two. Now you really can't do that. You're not sure what the lines are going to be, who's going to be playing more minutes, who's going to be shooting the puck. It's just a total crapshoot. And really in FanDuel, this is hurting everybody because those were the best players for the first couple months of the season. Is this a sell high for Nathan McKinnon? Because last I checked, he's still number one overall in fantasy value and standard leagues. This is a really tricky situation because you can't really tell if he's getting along well with the coach. Uh, The GM, Joe Sackett, came out and spoke, kind of defended the coach. So it's kind of a tricky situation that maybe if you can trade Nathan McKinnon at this point in your fantasy league, you might want to consider it. I mean, as much as he's done everything uh, to hell and back for this team over the past two seasons, uh, you don't like the way it's trending. The trade that would make sense to me to to do that, to capitalize on his sky-high value, would be a team that, okay, you you, kind of scout out a team that has a great goalie, good goalie depth that might not need their number one. Maybe they have great D depth as well. They might not need their number two. You get a top five goalie, a top 20 defenseman. That would be a move, Pete, that I'd be willing to make. You'd have to get a elite level defenseman and an elite level goalie to make up for the loss of McKinnon. But a lot of teams out there are loaded at forward, especially at the center position. And a McKinnon may become expendable. He's probably a little more expendable in fantasy than a Rantanen. That is so true. Moving along to Jets at Canadians. Nice little Canadian matchup here. We have Carey Price, six straight wins, playing a 957 save percentage. Can't imagine they're going to start anybody else in this game. How good has Carey Price been recently? And we just slotted him in back into the top 10 goalies for the rest of the season. This is a guy that the only guy out there in terms of the fantasy analyst, I want to give him a shout out, Nick Alberga. I remember going on with him in the summer and he was saying that Carey Price could be a potential bounce back player and steal. I remember we both talked to each other after that and we thought he was crazy, but he was right on about this. The Habs appear to be here to stay. They're in much better shape than Columbus much better shape than Buffalo. It seems like they have a real shot at the playoffs, and Carey Price is back to that elite top five, top ten goalie status. He's right there. And, and yeah, so sorry, bud, to Nick Alberga if you're listening to the program. We were definitely <laughs> off the mark on that one. But I picked up John Drewen recently in a season-long league. Two goals, five assists in his past five games. He's lighting it up. But the thing I like about John Drewen is his price in FanDuel, too. He's, he's priced as a sort of mid 
to high tier player. He's not at the elite level, but he's producing like he is. So if you're in the $6,000 range, you need a player like that. John Druin is the man. Even against an opponent like the Winnipeg Jets, who have had inconsistent goaltending from Connor Hellebuck, I'd be all over that. Now, Druin, I think I checked, I think he was like $5,400 in FanDuel on Tuesday. It didn't make any sense. Uh, I didn't mention him on the network, but I remember when I was building my lineup, he was a guy that you could feasibly slot in, regardless of how, whether you were spending up or going for a balance. Line. And I checked the winners from that FanDuel contest on Tuesday, Pete. A lot of the guys at the top of the leaderboard had John Drouin and Phil Deneau, that line one connection for the Montreal Canadiens. And you know what I was thinking? That's a low ownership play, a low ownership stack. Not a lot of teams are cherry picking the Canadians. I think they're still flying under the radar a little bit. Not a lot of people trust them. It's time to capitalize on that untrustworthiness going around for that team. I'd be all over them, even in a tough matchup. And I trust the Jets much more at home home than I do on the road, but Connor Hellebuck has been shaky throughout the season. So yeah, give that new line some credit. Right now it is Philip Deneau, Jonathan Drouin, and Brendan Gallagher, who's a quiet fantasy assassin. We really like him for the season-long formats. Josh Morrissey, though, lower body injury, left the game against San Jose on Tuesday. So Dustin Bufflin, does this uh, up the ante a little bit, rush the timeline along a little bit on the Dustin Bufflin train? I read on Twitter today that Paul Maurice expects him back in the lineup on Thursday. I mean, I think that could be more of a, we have to get this thing going right now. It's time to form the chemistry. If Josh Morris is going to be out an extended period of time, we haven't heard, but they'll need Dustin Bufflin in there to take all those minutes. And we both love Dustin Bufflin. He was even better than I expected before his injury when I look back at the stats. 29 points in 32 games. A bunch of defensemen. I think three or four defensemen this year are at a point per game or better. And also Eric Carlson, who's injured right now, is very close to that mark as well on the season. I think we do have to touch on Patrick Laine, though. It's at the point where I am absolutely worried about this player the rest of the season. I know I've been hyping him up and, and saying to be patient with him, but as a Patrick Laine owner myself, I'm really at the point where I don't know if I should make a trade. I don't know if I should drop him for a player. Now, the only reason I haven't dropped him yet is because we're in such deep leagues that the waiver wire is so thin that there's no one even enticing. But at this point, his stat line is becoming unbearable. The one thing I would draw a comparison to, remember Jamie Benn last year. I mean, he brings better category coverage than Patrick Laine. But you remember when Jamie Benn had, what, eight goals over the final three games of the season, won a lot of people, including myself, a fantasy championship in one of my leagues. So that's the type of ceiling that Patrick Laine has in any given week. And if you time it right, your patience will be rewarded. So I would stick with Patrick Laine, even though he looks very out of sorts, especially at even strength right now. I honestly feel better about it from you reminding me of that because you're <laughs> right. Jamie Ben single-handedly won a lot of people their championships last season. Now, so for Ducks at Senators, the Senators entering Wednesday, they're playing the Maple Leafs. They are on a four-game losing streak. That losing streak is likely to continue, and then I would be very, I would have a lot of conviction that that losing streak, if it reaches five, will end against the Anaheim Ducks, who we've been kind of ragging on for a while now, but we really uh, downgraded John Gibson in our goalie rankings. I think he was the biggest faller, dropped about seven spots outside the top 15. Not so much on the fault of himself, but just that team overall. And another guy, Ricard Raquel. What do you do with Ricard Raquel? He's played about half the season. I mean, he's played 41 games. Nine goals. I mean, in a terrible plus minus. I don't know what to do with this guy anymore. How much longer do you look at a Getzlaff, Perry, 
Raquel line with any fantasy upside. I mean, I haven't even looked at those guys in DFS for months now. I don't remember the last time I had a duck in my lineup. And for season long, the same thing. I cut the cord a long time ago. The only time that I was interested in bringing a duck back into my lineup was when Cam Fowler was coming back from injury. I needed a defenseman. I picked him up on waivers. Sure enough, I dropped him within two games of him being back. That team is a plus-minus liability. They will drive your rotisserie league into the ground. They will drive your week-to-week categories into the ground. At this point, you have to cut your losses, get a hot D-man on the waiver wire, get a hot forward on the waiver wire. That's a steady team, strong insurance policy there. You have to get rid of him now. Now for the second half of this loaded 14-game slate, you were mentioning hot waiver wire as maybe a waiver wire stream one guy that comes to mind, Valentin Zikov, he had a big performance for the Vegas Golden Knights. What are your thoughts on him moving forward? That goal that he scored, Wild Bill Carlson, the pa- the pass that he made, the little deke to pass foot to tape to blade. Next thing you know, it's in the back of the net game winning goal. Unbelievable. So yes, I would pick up Valentin Zikov because he's playing with John Marcheseau and William Carlson. And I know that those guys, Marcheseau and Carlson, will never be broken up. So if Valentin Zikov can produce in that role, that could be their line for the rest of the season. Now maybe those guys, Marcheseau and William Carlson, are not quite as good as they looked last year, but they're certainly not as bad as they've looked this season. I would expect the both of them to eventually revert back to normal. Maybe Zikov's along for the ride. One note on Detroit, Dylan Larkin, strained oblique. He's uncertain. He might play. I think he was going to try to practice on Wednesday, but we'll see. Maybe Athanasiu is worth a stream in DFS. Yeah, the Larkin news is good because originally he was supposed to miss a week, and then all of a sudden Coach Blashill said today, oh, he could play tomorrow. So I love hearing that as a Dylan Larkin owner. So keep tabs on it at the morning skate and uh, roster him accordingly or maybe look at an Athanasiu, like I said. Blues at Lightning. So Braden Shen, I picked him on the network on Tuesday, had another assist. Still, his goal drought has now reached 11 games. So he has that snapback potential uh, that I think that he could break through against the Lightning. We'll see, though. He is playing wing, and last checked, he was center eligible in FanDuel. The player on the Blues we should be talking about, and the conversation should end after, is Vlad Tarasenko. He has risen his game to a new level over the past two weeks. Look at his box scores. Look at the point totals. Multi-point games. Heavy shot volumes. That is a player in the second half that is going to torch it up. If you can capitalize on somebody that's reeling in your in your season-long leagues and get Vlad Tarasenko, I would be all over that. Now in DFS, that's my standalone Blues player on any given night. I like it. Uh, Braden Point actually ended up playing on Tuesday night, scored a power play goal, so that was nice to see. We weren't sure how long he was going to be out of the lineup. An interesting thing I looked at, he is one of 15 players, which is a lot, as we approach the three-quarter mark of the season, uh, to be averaging at least 1.2 points per game. Uh, Kucherov also on that list. Stamkos almost on that list. So the Lightning are loaded. Always safe guys to spend up there. But one value guy for the Lightning, Matthew Joseph. I mean, he... He's been chipping in some goals along the way and is now playing in the top six. Got his 13th of the year on an assist from Steven Samkos. He's, so he's skating with the big guys. I like value on the Blues in this one. Carl Gunnarsson for defense, so cheap in FanDuel. He's got seven points in the past nine games, and he's playing enough minutes with exposure to Tarasenko, exposure to Shen, <clears throat> exposure to Ryan O'Reilly. So that's a guy I'd have in my lineup too. And one other thing on the Blues, I believe they're only one point out of a playoff spot right now, which is... <laughs> Uh, hard to comprehend, but Jordan Bennington quietly running away with this thing. 7-1-1, 931 save percentage. Uh, another rookie goalie 
that is getting a lot less praise than Carter Hart. But both of those teams a month ago, you wouldn't have never, you wouldn't have ever thought that they'd be in the playoff conversation. Now it looks like one or both are going to make it potentially. This is the parody that separates the NHL from any other sports league. Just the randomness of how things quickly can change. I love that. Now, the Dallas Stars are playing the Nashville Predators, who are coming off a win for Pekka Rinne, bounce-back win. Dallas Stars have some interesting line combination. I think we referenced it last show, but it's interesting to note that Matthias Janmark, four points, two goals, two assists, and Radic Faxa, also two goals, two assists, playing in the top six with exposure to Ben and Sagan on separate lines. But during the Dallas five-game winning streak, those guys are looking good and looking at potential streaming options. I just can't trust either one of those guys based on history. For me, I'd have to turn to a guy like Ezra Lindell, who has two multi-point games in his past five. The reason I say that is because I want the exposure to those guys that are streaking right now, but I can't trust a Matias Yanmark over the full season. Same thing with Radic Faxa. They just go hot and cold. So if I go with the blue line instead, either get a Heiskin or a Lindell or spend up for Klingberg, I'd feel safer about it. And we'll see if Brian Boyle plays in this game, but I like the Predators to take care of business and Dallas's winning streak at five games for this game for anyone who's looking for the clear winner. I think it's Nashville. I do think think Ben Bishop could get up for this game and steal it though he has the ability to do that nice little road matcher for them maybe a low ownership play in DFS and honestly with the way things are trending right now in the Western Conference anything's up for grab all these games are so tight I expect this to have a playoff like intensity and Ben Bishop usually rises to the occasion in those situations I do think I saw something that Kadobin might be starting so keep an eye on that you view that game completely differently if it's Bishop versus Kadobin oh I'm all out then on the stars if it's Kadobin starting and I'd be all in on the Preds. Now, Oilers coming off a bad loss at home to the Blackhawks. They've faced the Wild, who had that back-and-forth game against the Sabres. Oscar Clefbaum, worth noting, played almost 21 minutes in his return from injury. It was still Nurse for now on the first power play, but I expect that to change. It's a kind of a weird thing for Edmonton. The lines look terrible right now. They're spreading everybody out, and this team was last in the league on the power play last year. Now they have close to an elite power play this year, and they're terrible at even strength. That's team is terrible you have to get rid of any assets associated with the Oilers outside of McDavid dry saddle or Nugent Hopkins that's the way it's been honestly since the puck dropped to open up the 2018-19 season this Edmonton team has no appeal I mean it's funny that we even look back at the Koskinen days as an era where they had appeal there is absolutely nothing right now going in their direction nothing in their favor no good bounces nothing like that no puck luck so all out on the Edmonton Oilers I really like Drysaddle this year, though. I mean, even with everything that's gone wrong with that team, I saw that he's the first German player in NHL history to score 30 goals this season. Well better than a point per game. Still a guy that I would hang on to in season-long formats and spend up for on a nightly basis in DFS. And from the wild side of things, I mean, Jared Spurgeon had two goals in 27 and a half minutes at Buffalo on Tuesday. It was quietly his ninth multi-point game of the season, which is top 10 at the position. So that's pretty significant. I I love the quote from Bruce Boudreaux. He called him the unsung hero of the league. That's high praise for a guy, even on a fringe playoff team, just how valuable he's been with Matt Dumba out of the lineup. Canucks at Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, 28 points in his 12-game point streak. He's worth spending up for, even as the most expensive player in FanDuel contests. And how about Drake Kajula? I called it on the network on Tuesday. He scored a goal against his former team, had a bunch of shots. I mean, this is a guy that has staying power in the top six forward group 
most notably on the top line with Taves and Kane that has been one of the most dynamic, one probably one of the five most dynamic lines over the past two weeks of the season. And how about this stat? Only three defensemen in the NHL have more goals than Eric Gustafson for the Chicago Blackhawks. I love that. He's integrated so nicely on that power play unit. I was I got a, I think we got a question together yesterday. This guy was still asking, should I pick up Gustafson? And we said yes. He's approaching the top thirty defenseman rankings for the rest of the season. Top pair first power play big minutes every night power play exposure to Kane and Taves what's not to like and then for the Canucks they didn't skip a beat Elias Pettersson still scored without Alexander Edler in the lineup that's not going to be too serious of an injury it should be about a week Travis Green said but Ben Hutton had an assist and played 28 minutes against the Caps in Edler's absence so that's the guy if you're looking for a sneaky value play low ownership situation that you could tap into on the Canucks blue line yeah, if you have Edler in your league and you have an IR plus spot, maybe you have a week of flexibility. You could look at a Ben Hutton, who I think leads Canucks defenseman right now after that game in shots on goal. He's also up there. I think he's second among defensemen on the Canucks in power play points and tied with Edler uh, for the defenseman goal lead. So he has been productive, especially when Edler's been out of the lineup. And then some outside replacements we were going through before the show. If Gustafson's not available, there's Justin Schultz coming back soon. Clefbaum just came back. Miro Heiskanen has shown a nice, nice little bounce back after the All-Star break. And Shea Theodore, very quietly, only 30-something percent owned right now. I'd even throw Ezra Lindell in there, too, if he's available. Big ticket event, Sharks at Flames heavy hitter contest. San Jose won the first meeting earlier this year, 3-1. to one. Calgary won the second, 8-5. to five. So I feel like they're going to have to meet in the middle here, maybe get like a seven-goal total game. The thing that worries me about the Sharks right now is that Eric Carlson missed his fifth straight game. Remember, this is a guy that missed the f- final couple of games before the All-Star game, then played in the All-Star game, probably because it was a hometown crowd event, which I think is a little crazy, to be honest, when you're dealing with a point-per-game defenseman who's in his contract year who's supposed to bring you to the Stanley Cup title this year. They maybe were not as careful as they could have been with this. Hopefully, Eric Carlson's back soon, but that could really come back to bite him if this is a recurring thing the rest of the that way. That decision is not aging like fine wine, that's for sure. But two <laughs> two players of note here. Brent Burns has points in four straight, and so does Joe Pavelski. So there's a lot of value if you're willing to spend up against the Calgary Flames. I think I like the Flames in this game. You go Martin Jones versus David Riddick on the season in terms of save percentage. It's not even close. Martin Jones won a couple in a row, but could give up five, six goals any given night. Same thing with Aaron Dell if, his, if he starts. I would go heavy on the Flames in this game. I think it's a spot for them to get back to normal uh, in the Western Conference. They definitely have looked a little bit slow out of the gate after the All-Star game. I watched a few of their games. They're just not connecting on many passes. I didn't notice Gaudreau a whole lot, which is rare for them. So I think this is a great opportunity for them to get all cylinders going and get a big win against the San Jose Sharks. That'll do it for NHL Fantasy on Ice. You can follow myself at NHL Reese on Twitter, at NHL Jensen for Pete, and NHL Fantasy for the both of us. Send questions, ask whatever you want, DFS lineup, season-long stuff, anything will answer your questions. And again, we are recording this on a Wednesday so a lot could potentially change by the time Thursday rolls around for this big 14 game slate so definitely don't ever hesitate to hit up Rob or myself for advice if you're subscribing already to this podcast definitely leave us a review we appreciate you listening and we're going to talk to you again on Friday this week special three episode edition of, of NHL Fantasy on Ice so we're looking forward to that so we'll touch base later in the week thanks again for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice Thank you.